Welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast, where we explore all things related to motherhood, from career and relationships to parenting and wellness. Join me, Nina Spears, your baby expert and host, as we dive into topics that matter to mothers, share personal stories and insights, and interview experts and parents who can provide valuable advice and perspectives. Whether you're a first-time mom just starting out or a seasoned pro, we've got you covered. So grab a cup of tea, sit back, and let's Chick Chat. Hey guys, it's Nina Spears, the Baby Chick. Welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast. Today, we have Becky Vieira as our guest. Becky is the voice behind the popular Instagram account, at Witty Otter, where she is leading the shift in how women speak about motherhood. Becky has been a go-to writer in the parenting space for more than seven years. Before becoming a writer, she spent 15 years as a publicist for some of the biggest public relation agencies representing major consumer brands, including Mattel's Barbie, Disney Consumer Products, and the charitable Stand Up to Cancer program. Becky lives in Northern California with her husband and son, and we are so pumped to have her here to have some real talk about the first year of motherhood. In this episode, we're going to chat with Becky about all things motherhood, strategies for thriving, and how we can shift the traditional perspective of motherhood. So let's get started. Hi, Becky. It is so wonderful to have you on our show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Absolutely. And being the first time on our show, we would love to hear a little bit more about you. So Becky, can you please tell us about you and your background and everything that led you up to where you are today? Yes. This is a whole new career path. I kind of pivoted midway through life. I was a publicist. And once I became pregnant, I stopped work and switched over to writing about parenthood and moms. And I joined the team at Baby Center and from there started writing for tons of different sites, Scary Mommy and with Scary Mommy a lot and moved over to social media and just kind of began sharing my story on Instagram And built this amazing community with other moms and learned so much from them, shared all the crazy parts of my story that I never talked about and found so much solidarity and similarity and that a lot of these things I was sharing, we didn't talk about. So I just decided to take it all, all these little nuggets and stories and issues that we face as new moms and put it together in a book. So here we are today. I love it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We've been following you for our listeners at Witty Otter for a while. And it's so true. Like you're just sharing the raw, real moments. And it's so appreciated because there's just a lot of filtered life that you see on social media and hearing your perspective and real thoughts and just... It makes you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm not the only one going through all of this. You I, know, I, it's okay. Um, yes. So because as moms, I think we're almost filtered through shame. If we talk about things, people tell us we're complaining. If we complain, which everyone can complain, we're people look at us like we have three heads. And this is the only quote unquote job that you can't complain about. You You wanted those children, Becky. How dare you? How dare you? (laughs) I mean, yes, and I wanted a job too, but that doesn't mean sometimes, you know, I worked for a jerk and didn't want to talk about it. If my child is the boss of this job, he's not always the coolest boss, I have to say. I feel that 100%. I totally get it. And I think our sons are like the same age. So yes, I right there with you. 
<laughs> this one right now, my son's going into first grade. So he's kind of in between this child, teenager, adult who knows everything. It's um, oh, yes. quite a fun stage. <laughs> yes. So much fun. Oh my gosh. And Becky, like, how did you become passionate about helping other mothers thrive really and care for themselves during this whole, your whole book is like the first year of motherhood, but I really think it's even beyond that. It's really like early motherhood. So yeah. Can you tell us how did you become passionate about this? Through my own experience. And I think through all the challenges I had, all of my shortcomings and the sense of the things that I didn't know. Of course, people tell you motherhood's hard and that you're tired and that all these things can happen and you could have postpartum depression or anxiety, or, but no one tells you the true extent of it. I always say they're lying to you by omission because you're only hearing half of the truth. So when I actually became a mother, it was so much harder than I expected. And I thought that was because I was failing. I thought it was because I was a bad mom. I had, you know, the moments at three in the morning when I was exhausted and my son wouldn't sleep. And I thought no one else is going through this right now, but me. And I also had postpartum depression. And so that with my general doubts and fears and worries just really played on each other. And I got to a lot of really dark places, you know, with postpartum depression, that's chemical. And I know that I couldn't have avoided that, but I do think that, Things could have been a lot better had I known it wasn't just me. I might have gotten help sooner. I think there's a lot of things that could have been better. And I just decided I didn't want anyone to go through that if I could help. And I always thought if I could save one mom from going through the experience I had, that was worth it. And so I really just, we have so many people out there who are talking about the babies or talking about moms or helping moms. And I thought no one is advocating for us. We have to advocate for ourselves. And that's really hard to do from experience, I can tell you. And so I just, you know, kind of just assigned myself this job of being a motherhood advocate and just speaking up for all of us and hopefully giving everyone inspiration and tools and the encouragement to really stand up for ourselves and make this journey better. I love that you say that because it's so true. I think women, we have... It's through generations of women are people pleasers. We're there to help our family, help others, and not complain and be sweet. And all those things, yeah. All, yes, which, you know, those are wonderful things. However, you're a human being and you can absolutely ask for help. You can absolutely have emotions. You can absolutely, you should speak up for yourself. So I love that you're trying to let moms know that. It's okay to use your voice. It's okay to speak up. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ruffle feathers because it is. It is okay. And I just, I love that. And Becky, can you tell us your experience when you became a new mom, like how those experiences really impacted you as a mother and as a woman? Yes. Well, so much of what you say about mothers kind of almost being silenced. And it's important to know that it's we're working against generation centuries of this. All the moms before us went through this. And so there's this whole attitude of we did it, we didn't complain, why are you? A lot of us are even just working past our own moms and our own grandmas who didn't didn't talk about that. We're really in an exciting place as moms because we're this new wave of motherhood where we're saying enough. I cannot do this. We cannot do this. Things need to change. Moms need more support. 
So for me, it was, like I said, it was just so much harder than I thought. I had just moved when I was seven and a half months pregnant. I felt incredibly isolated. I had postpartum depression. But one thing I remember was feeling like my life had just changed drastically and not in a good way. Separate from my son, here I go again, feeling the need to. Of course, I wanted my child. I loved my child, but I felt like I, maybe I was living in a snow globe and someone picked it up and just shook it really hard, slammed it down, and nothing was ever in the same place ever again. I felt like I was almost on this conveyor belt of feeding, diaper change, sleeping, bathing, repeat, and I didn't see any way out. And I just kind of felt like I had just put myself on the path to the end of my life as I knew it. And I didn't know. I didn't know that we all go through this. I didn't know that there were thousands of other moms in living rooms, just like I was going through the same things and feeling the same things. Because the same moment you are feeling it. Yes. yes. (laughs) You know, my son is six and a half now. And we talk about this even in the years since he was born, we talk about it so much more. We have to keep going. Yes. Yes. And I feel like I'm hearing more of it. And and I'm glad that people are saying, look, it's not me complaining. It's me really letting people know what to expect and how to speak up for themselves and what to look for and what to ask. And that's where the conversation starts. And so, yes, I, I so appreciate that. And Becky, like, what do you wish you would have known before becoming a new mom. I'm sure that list is really long, but like (laughs) if you were like, oh, there's just three things or one thing, like what is it that you wish you would have known before you were a new mom? I wish that I would have known more about maternal mental health and what to look for, what signs to look for, how easy it is to get help, that my child wouldn't have been removed from my custody had I, you know, had I reached out. There were a lot of factors that led to me suffering. I wish that I would have known that it is hard for everyone, that we see so much lying by omission on social media. There's all the, you know, we see so much good. And that's why I like to put out, it's not so much the bad, but I like to put out the reality. And it's, you know, sometimes I'll film videos and my face is broken out and I have no makeup on and that's real life. And not everyone wants to see that. And that's fine. My content's not for everyone, but there's a lot of people out there who, who crave that. And I love sharing that. So I wish I had known that. I wish I had known there was other ones and just that your life's going to change. You're going to have your relationships are going to change with your partner and your friends and that things are all going to be different, but it's not a bad thing. Yes. I so agree with both of those points. Mental health, I think now people are talking more about postpartum anxiety, but before it was only postpartum depression. And now people are starting to talk more about postpartum anxiety. So people are hearing a bit more about that, but we still are not hearing, I think, enough about postpartum OCD and PTSD after childbirth. And I just think that that's so important that we're hearing about all of those different things. And so again, we appreciate this conversation that you're helping start. And then also with I totally relate to this relationships changing with your partner and not necessarily 
at least for my partner, it's different, but it's better now. Like we've grown through it, but I know that that's not the same for everybody. And it can go through a rocky period. And, and really, I, and that's something that I loved about in your book that it even had like questions that you need to ask your partner (laughs) before you have the baby, after you have the baby. Um, We'll dive more into that. But I was like, yes, these are conversations. And then friendships, you think that your friends are, it's going to be the same forever. And it really does change and evolve. And then you make new friends and you thought, oh, this person's going to be in my life forever. And maybe they aren't. So I absolutely agree with you. Did you kind of experience that with your friendships or? Absolutely. It's very hard because I think that when we make close friends, we think that they're going to be in our lives in the same way forever. And there's that saying, sometimes people come into our life for a reason or a season. And it's really hard because you don't want to think about that, especially with your close friends. I I haven't lost any friends. I wouldn't say that, but definitely the relationships have evolved and grown. And it's not through any fault of our own, but because having a child puts you in such a drastically different place. And whether that's friends who had kids before me or hadn't had kids yet, it's it's hard sometimes to relate. I had my child later in life and a lot of my friends, their kids were in high school and older. And I remember being with two of my friends whose kids were older and I was pregnant. We were at a restaurant and this baby was kind of wailing in the corner and we all had that, you know, the mom. But one of my friends looked at the other and said, aren't you so glad you're past that? And then they kind of paused and looked at me. (laughs) But you do realize, and that's okay. You know, it's okay that they felt that way. But it really pointed out just how our paths were veering so far apart. And there's friends who aren't baby people. I have some great friends who weren't baby people, but they're great kid people. And so maybe we kind of fell out, not fell out, but there was some distance. Lost touch. Yeah. Right. Right. First year. And now we're right back just exactly as we were, only there's someone that my child absolutely loves and he calls them uncle or aunt. And it's not all bad. It's not all bad changes. Of course, there's moments when I miss friendships that I was close with, or I miss the things we did. But at the same time, I can't go back because we're both so different now. And so I think you have to look at it for what it is. And and it's, I think all of us have lost a friendship, whether it's ended or changed. And it's not easy, but I think it's just important to just try to remember the good times and, and look at it for what it served you in that time. That is beautiful. And I don't know about our listeners, but at least for me, that's like comforting to know that like, okay, everyone kind of experiences these ebbs and flows when it comes to friendships too. Because yeah, we're all so busy with our children and potentially a career and whatever else is on our plate. And then trying to prioritize your partnership and then also your friend, like it's just, it's hard. It's tough to make that time, but it's nice hearing that you're like, no, it can, it's not all bad. Change is, is just change sometimes. Yes. And it's not all relationships. I have some friendships where we're so in sync and we didn't miss a beat. My child, my new role as a mom didn't even factor into our friendship. It just continued as is. But our friendships are different and all of our friendships are different and some are able to do that and some are not. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh, Becky, I've heard you say, you know, motherhood shouldn't be martyrdom. (laughs) Can you elaborate on this with our listeners and like share what that means to you? Yes. As we were saying earlier, people didn't talk about it. They didn't talk about the hard parts. They didn't complain. They still don't. I think that I always say the society, our families, everyone, not in a a malicious way, but there's that term of moms being superheroes. And everyone looks at us like this amazing Swiss army knife with 37 arms and 15 heads. And we can wear all these different hats at the same time and do all these things. And everyone praises us for being superheroes and multitasking queens. And because of that, though, People just expect us to do it all. We expect that we're supposed to do it all. And we just put our head down and go through it. But no one can do that silently. So we kind of become these martyrs, whether it's being passive aggressive or even just in our conversations. It's this competition. Who can be the most tired? Who can have the child that sleeps the worst? Who can have the most challenges with feeding or partnerships? And I say this a lot because not only have I learned so much from the women who share their stories and I speak with, but I learn a lot from the women who like to argue and you call them trolls, call them whatever, but the women who are always going to say something against you. And yes, of course, there's some journeys that if you want to look at it very objectively, of course, are harder than others. My child never had any severe illnesses, things like that. We were very lucky. But that doesn't mean that my heart isn't hard for me and it doesn't take away from my heart. I think that we need to get to this place. Again, we're not martyrs. We're not trying to win a non-existent award. We need to allow everyone to feel what they feel. But at the same time, we need to stop playing that role and we need to start speaking up. And it starts, you know, it can be small things. It can be little things, but for me, I always look at it as the mental load of motherhood. I think that's something that we don't prepare for. Every aspect of my family lives in my head. So whether it's birthdays and shoe sizes, dentist appointments, even my cats and my dog, and when they need to go to the vet, when I need to have the oil in my car changed, I carry it all. And it is exhausting. And I would get so mad and I would get so mad at my husband and he would ask questions and I look at the calendar and I told you. And it got to the point where I just thought, I can't do this forever. And I'm angry. And he probably thinks, you know, I'm kind of being a shrew about this. (laughs) And I said to him, I need you to take on the communication for Little League and for our son's other sports. And he looked at me and he said, sure, but why? You do that and you put it in the calendar and you tell me. And I said, because I need to release some of these things from my brain. I need to take them out. I need to not be responsible for everything. And he said, yeah, I get it. Of course. Sure. And it was just that one little thing made such a big difference. And it's not easy and it's not going to change overnight, but I think we kind of have to look for these little breadcrumbs and little things that we can pass off. Look at you advocating for yourself. I love that, Becky. It's everyone. It's the, I try to practice what I preach. And if something's hard, I admit it, that was hard. That was years of me being the silent, again, martyr. But as humans, we look at help as needing to be this 
superhero flying in on a cape saving the day. Or, you know, people joke, I just need to win the lottery. We think we need these big sweeping changes or these big gestures of help. Otherwise, they're not going to do anything for us. They're useless. And it's not true. Little things help. They add up. And we need to just start realizing that it's it's not that we have to sit here and wait for this knight in shining armor or the equivalent of that to come and save us or help us. It's all the little things too. And a lot of us aren't looking at other people and thinking, oh my gosh, you know what? She probably needs help with this or that or something else because we all have our own lives. We have to speak out. And I don't know about you, but when people ask me for help, I am honored actually. I'm I'm so happy to help them. And we need to remember that, that we need to do that with others. And your partner is a great place to start. Absolutely. And what a great tip. I love that. I love that tip because you're, you're right. I think that as you've said in your book, you know, we don't want to put an imposition on other people. We don't want to be a burden and ask for it because we know, oh, but they're so busy. They have so much. But you know what? They'll probably let you know, you know what? Right now, unable to do this, but next week, I got you, girl. Like, so it's okay to speak up because more than likely they'll let you know, hey, maybe right now is not a good time, but later is. And and they didn't take it as like, oh gosh, here she is asking for help. Like, no, they're happy to help when they can. And especially other moms. I oh yes. It's been very hard for me, but I I feel that I'm in a good place with asking other moms to help. And it's not easy, and it's not something that you can do with every person you know. But I do have some wonderful mom friends who live in the neighborhood. And it's great to know that we can count on each other, whether it's, I'm running late for pickup. Can you just stay with my kid for five minutes? Can you take him home? I'm running to Target. Do you need anything? It goes both ways. And I love that we just kind of have this understanding. And it took years. I've been living where I live now for four years. So it's really been four years of cultivating some friendships, but it's saved all of us on so many occasions. I've had, you know, picked up my friend's kids so they can get their hair done. Just these little things that we put off and don't do for ourselves. Because my first thought is always, again, that mental load, where is my child going to be at every single minute and thinking that I need to be there or I need to be able to do something. And knowing that you can pass off, let someone else carry that for a few hours or a day helps so much because we have to get our hair cut. We deserve to go to Target and walk around aimlessly, especially with other moms. We can do it and we can give back. We can take and we can give. For sure. Oh my goodness. And I love how you basically are creating your village because you even said that the village does not exist (laughs) because it doesn't. And you have to build it yourself. And doing that is reaching out and asking for help, but also offering help when you see, like you just said, Hey, I'm going to target. Do you need anything? Like, I love that. And I hear from a lot of moms, there's a lot of this And I get it because I was there too. I was living in a completely new town when my son was born and it's hard. And when you hear people talk about mom friends and I would be so jealous and so sad and I didn't have those. And so a lot of times when I talk about the things that I do, there's this knee jerk reaction. Well, I don't have any friends. That must be nice. I didn't either. We've moved. Goodness. I mean, since my son was born, we've moved three times since he was born (laughs) and I've had to start over and it's not easy. And I've done things like gone on the, the apps to find mom friends 
or just really putting yourself out there and starting with maybe play dates and inviting kids over and getting to know the moms. It's not easy, but it works. And there's mom groups. I've never lived anywhere where there hasn't been a local mom group on Facebook. And you see people really putting themselves out there and it's so hard and they'll say, Hey, I'm new to the area. Does anyone want to meet up? And there's tons of responses. And and I think we all have been there and we all know. So, you know, I just encourage moms. It's, it's not easy. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, you know, I say in the book, you don't get a village assigned to you before you leave the hospital. <laughs> If only. That would yeah. be lovely, right? Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a neighborhood and of course that was, you know, the eighties, there was a lot more stay at home moms, but we have this great village is really what it was. The kids played together, the moms babysat. There was just this really great sense of community. And unfortunately it's not like that anymore because we are working, we are out of the house. And also we're in our homes a lot more, not coming off the pandemic. And I think with technology, I didn't even realize when my son started school, there's so many kids, his exact age, his exact grade that live just houses beyond us. And so you do, again, you do have to put yourself out there. So true. And I love how we're talking about some of these unrealistic expectations of like, where is that village? So Becky, like, what do you think? (laughs) I know, right? What do you think are some other like unrealistic expectations society puts on new mothers? Well, just that, right? I think they say, oh, it's so hard and you have to do this and it's so hard, but don't worry, you have your village. There's no village. They expect us, a great saying again, to work like we don't have kids and to parent like we don't work. They expect us, I actually recently wrote an article about this, about about dads and the the mental load. I was having dinner with a group of parents one night and a teacher's name got brought up and one of the dads said, oh, who's that? And the mom said, that's our child's teacher. And everyone kind of laughed and oh, ha ha ha, and the dad and, you know, what a knucklehead. A mom would be crucified. We are just expected to know everything, to do everything, to not complain, to just bear everything with a smile on our face. And it's not possible. And again, motherhood isn't a job. It's a role in our lives. So whether you want to call it a job or a role, we have so many different roles. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a friend. I'm a writer, an employee. Those are all different roles. And I can ask for help and I can complain about all the other ones, except being a mom. Mm -hmm. It's not that welcome. People think you're complaining. Again, you're complaining or that there's the shame that I'm not doing good enough if I'm asking for help or I'm not good at that. We're afraid of being judged Mm -hmm. and we're all going through it. It's so true. It's so true. Oh my gosh. And what are some unrealistic expectations new mothers you think put on themselves? All of them. (laughs) (laughs) Everything. (laughs) I think for me, obviously, physically, that is just such a hard one. I knew that I would leave the hospital looking somewhat pregnant. I didn't realize how pregnant I would look. I thought that this body should just deflate and return to my pre-pregnancy state very quickly. A few weeks after my son was born, I just had a complete breakdown in tears because we were going for a walk and I couldn't find anything that fit. And I had to go back to maternity jeans and I felt like this huge failure. And again, I really, that's a 
something I think this narrative that the media pushes and a lot of social media, especially all these companies that are trying to sell us this hope in a jar and our vitamins or our exercise plan. It's so unrealistic. What took us nine months to build in our body isn't going to just change overnight. Of course, for some women, and it's just genetics, there are some women who leave the hospital and look exactly as they do before they gave birth. That's great because that's their body. That's their body's journey. Some of us never look the same again. That's our bodies. And we have, and both are okay. Yes, they're great because it's like trying to change a rock. This is our bodies. This is what they're doing. We can't change them. I can't make wish for my, my breasts to suddenly be perky again. It's, it's not going to happen. And I was saying the other day, I was talking about this and I said, we love our babies. We need to love our bodies because our bodies gave us our babies. It's a lot of work though. And it's not a piece that comes easily. There's times I still struggle. I talk about this a lot. I, I breastfed for three years and my breasts are just, they hang and they're pancakes and they were never like that. Do I like it? No, but I'm trying to make peace with it. I, I understand why they changed and I'm not angry about it. It is what it is, but we've seen so many magazine covers and body after baby. And it's, you know, this reality star wearing a bikini, knowing they have a baby who's a month old at home. And yeah, there's so and many- a personal chef and a trainer every day and all Whether, of that. <laughs> maybe it's not genetics, but there's a lot of people who do. Again, they have, they have a whole team behind them. There's lighting, they're posed, they're, st- they're sucking in their stomach. We don't allow ourselves even permission to consider those things. We don't give ourselves any grace. We just look at that and look at ourselves and think I'm failing somehow. So I think that's definitely a hard one. I think that we also expect ourselves to have it all figured out immediately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can't. That was something my husband and I struggled with because he had a hard time accepting help. He kept saying, well, We shouldn't have help because we need to figure out how to do it ourselves. Anyway, if we have people helping us, we're not going to, we're not going to learn. The truth is you are going to learn. You have a lifetime to learn. If you have help available, it's not a race to get to, you know, to learn how to swaddle the best or how to change the best diapers. It's a long journey. Your baby's going to, you know, whether it's bottles or diapers, your baby's going to be doing all of that for quite some time. You have a lot of time to figure this out. You don't have to do it right away. So true. Oh my goodness. Yes. Any kind of help. And I like also how you said in your book that whether it's like a friend or a family member, but there's also resources, more resources than you even know that are available to you. So if you have the means and maybe you're far away from family and you just moved, don't have any new friends, there are probably some postpartum doulas or lactation consultants or a mother's helper or a babysitter. Or There are so many resources that you can reach out to and get the support that you honestly deserve. Exactly. And Whether you have the means or not, and that's another thing, a lot of people come back and say, well, I can't afford it. I'm struggling to pay, you know, for my baby's diapers or things like that. I've spoken with some women who have some great ideas to that. They'll say even things like, I have a neighbor's daughter who would come over and play with my dog for five minutes or water my plants or going on next door. I see things on next door all the time where it's, I'm a retired grandma. I've got free time. You know, if you need help with anything or 
there's a lot of things out there. And again, on the mom groups, moms are willing to help other moms. And it's not necessarily something that requires a monetary exchange. And again, it's not easy. You're not going to turn on your computer one day with someone saying, can I be your free nanny or things like that. But there are free and incredibly affordable sources of help out there. And again, join all of your groups on Facebook. Go on next door. The Buy Nothing Project is, I mean, I've seen that save so many moms, people who can't afford cribs, things like that. I mean, it's free. The Buy Nothing, it's free. I know I've given away you know, we share everything that we grow out of on there. So I love that. Yeah. Oh gosh. That's so good. Becky, like about the mom, like how do you suggest moms prioritize themselves? Because I hear that by doing these things, sometimes moms are just in this haze and they're like, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to do any of this. How am I supposed to put myself first when I have to take care of this baby? What would you say to moms to prioritize themselves while they're just immersed in motherhood. It's hard. And again, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be you leaving for a girl's weekend or you and your partner going to Tahiti for a week. I wish. (laughs) I mean, my husband and I are, are times away. A lot of it is by choice, but we take our son on vacation. I mean, maybe we've had a couple nights here and there away, but it's hard for us. We like him. We like to be around him, but also... There's that thing. There's not that much alone time or free time, but it doesn't have to be like that. So I always say, start small, stop trying to overwhelm yourself. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. Look at it like setting aside time that you would give anyone else. You would allow anyone else to have it, or you would dedicate to anything else. 30 minutes, 20 minutes, start by doing it once a week, twice a week, and just something for you that is serving you. I love to do those sheet masks, those those face masks. Those are a couple of dollars, you know, at, at a drugstore. I love to do it because you can't move because they fall off your face. So throwing one of those on, laying on the couch, watching TV, reading, doing nothing, that's 15 to 20 minutes, but it's time where it's it's just me. And it's just, I can't do anything. And sorry, moms talk a lot about being up late and being tired because they want alone time. And I'll be honest, sometimes that's what you have to do. I wrote this book, I always in cars. You know, I would dro- take my son to preschool and instead of driving home, I would sit in my car with my computer. I wrote it up until four in the morning. Unfortunately, again, we're not handed eight to five every day to spend on whatever we need. So you do have to find the time when you can. You don't need to stay up until four in the morning to get a little alone time. But maybe you know, ask your partner to put your child to bed or to help with bath time. Just take these little bits of time. And again, start 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And whether it's sitting on your couch and scrolling through social media mindlessly, maybe it's reading, maybe it's taking a walk around the block. Just look for these little things you can do. And I say, start once a week, move up to twice a week, you know, slowly build on it. And it helps. It all helps. It doesn't have to be a weekend away to make you feel better. I feel recharged sometimes just stepping up, walking out of the living room, coming in my bedroom and laying down for a few minutes and doing nothing and then going back and joining my family. My husband and I both do that. And it's really something 
that's helped so much is just that little bit of kind of recharging. Yes. Little steps really do actually, I think, make more of an impact than something like a vacation to Tahiti. Like, that's great. But then when are you really going to go back? Like, but these little things that you can do every night or every other night, like, you know, your little reading in in bed and your little face mask or whatever, like those little things really do add up. So um, these are awesome. You can add five minutes to your shower and put a hair mask on, just sit there under the water, just things like that. And of course there's times I've had so many times where my son, when he was younger, just what mama so it is something that helps if you let your partner know I will tell my husband I need five minutes I need 10 minutes I'm going to take a shower I don't want to be interrupted but I do that for him so it's it's reciprocal dads need breaks too but you think of it like a battery or your phone if your phone is is dying or the power's red do you have to charge it completely full to be able to use it again to get that battery back in the green? No, you can charge it sometimes for a few minutes and use it again. Maybe you have days where you do charge it all the way back. Some days where it's just little bits of plugging it in, in between what you're doing. And that's like us. We don't have to be completely recharged every time. What a great analogy. I'm definitely going to steal that because that is so smart and so true. Oh my gosh. And Becky, like, how would you describe the reality of the first year of motherhood to a pregnant mom? A pregnant mom walks up to you and says, okay, Becky, what can I really expect? The first thing I say, it is going to be harder than you expect, but that is common. You're not doing anything wrong. You're not failing. It is hard for everyone. You're going to see a lot of falsehoods, especially on social media. You're going to want to compare. It is hard for everyone. We all come home at some point, whether we give birth in a hospital or at home or something, we're all going to be wearing diapers and we're going to have, or some sort of, you know, we're going to be bleeding. Our breasts are going to be swelling. We all start out on an even playing field. And I think that it's hard to realize that sometimes. But On the flip side, it is so much better. I mean, yes, you get this child and you think, oh my goodness, it's so amazing. But there's nothing like when they reach for you that first time, when they want mom and only mom, and it's just going to change your life in so many great ways. So I think just the impact is going to be bigger in every direction. P.S. You're not going to get through this unless you ask for help. Amen. Oh my goodness. Couldn't agree more. Okay. Now... Becky, your book, Enough About the Baby. That's the title, the title, Enough About the Baby. It may sound harsh to some people. What is the thought behind this? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I honestly hope it does because I'm trying to get through to people. You know, I don't want to say, I love it. Yeah. It's wonderful, but don't forget, you matter. Enough about the baby. That's all anyone cares about is the baby. How's the baby? The baby's great. The baby's a day old. He's, eating and pooping and sleeping. Okay. Meanwhile, my hormones are doing backflips. I have parts of my body falling out through my vagina onto a diaper. I can't poop. I'm crying. (laughs) What about the mom? Your baby's going to be fine. Your baby, everyone is focusing on the baby. Your baby has doctor's appointments. Of course, I'm not saying leave them in their bassinet and walk away. I mean, let's be realistic here. Come on, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Enough about the baby, though. Everyone else is going to be worrying about the baby. You are going to be worrying about the baby. Wait, what about you? Enough. Yes. 
it's like that quote like over here and say they're great what's going on here with you Right. It's like that quote, like, gosh, I'm going to butcher it, but enough about like, who's going to hold the baby, but who's going to hold the mother? Who's going to hold you? And it's so true. Having been a doula at birth and a postpartum doula for over a decade, like I have seen as soon as you have that baby, they are really focusing more on the baby and how the baby's survival is than they're paying attention to mom. Uh, Don't get me wrong. They are definitely like checking on mom, but more lawsuits happen when something happens to the baby. So they are so much more hypersensitive because, oh, you didn't help me breastfeed soon enough. You didn't help me do skin to skin soon enough. Oh, the baby was given a pacifier with that. There are so many complaints about babies. So hospitals put so much more attention on the baby that they don't put as much attention on the mother. And this is why I'm really glad we're talking about this because we need mothers to be at the forefront of our minds. And that baby needs its mother. And so, so yes. (laughs) A happy and healthy mom. I have a a dear friend of mine who recently had another baby and, and went through some postpartum depression. And I have a line in the book where I say, if you can't do this for yourself, do it for your baby because your baby deserves a happy and healthy mom. And she really clung to that. And when there was moments where she just was not valuing herself, she knew that because she valued her child so much, this was something her child needs. We don't hesitate to feed them, but why do we hesitate then to not care for something they need almost as much, which is you know, a present, a healthy mom. Yes. Yes. And isn't that kind of crazy that the only way that moms can do something for themselves is when you tell them, oh, but it's going to benefit somebody else. Then it's okay. Now you can start doing something for you. But why can't it be okay? Because it's just good for you. I'm so glad that, yes, because I mean, we've had therapists say, as soon as I tell them like, oh, once you do this for yourself, it's going to make the whole family happy and help the whole family, that they're more willing to do it at that point rather than, hey, this is just going to be better for you. And that just kind of goes back to, I think it's like just ingrained in us from generations of mothers are supposed to serve. We're not supposed to do things for ourselves. We're supposed to go above and beyond. And while again, all of those things are great, like we're human and we need to take care of ourselves. So yeah, I, (laughs) yes. We have to frame it though as showing the benefit for other people. Because again, we are givers. We're not takers. And I love to say to people, go do this because it's good for you. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Go do this because it's good for you and it will make you happier and a better mom or, you know, your family will do better if you're rested. Oh, okay. I'll do it for my family. Unfortunately, we do have to say it, I think, like that because we are still working against these centuries of this, you know, the way we think. And slowly, we're slowly breaking it down. But whatever the reason, whatever helps the drive that helps us do that right now, if it's if it's to help your family, okay, great. But you're still getting the benefits. Absolutely. But, you know, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah, and I would love to interview you because I think you could probably share so many stories about this, having been present at so many births. But for me, I felt like, especially because I was a geriatric pregnancy, which they now 
more gently call advanced maternity. That is just laughable. I am sorry. Like, stop it. Yeah. No. <laughs> but I had so much healthcare. I was at the my doctor's office three, four times a week that last week. And I felt like the second I had a, a C-section, the second they kind of pulled him out of my body, it was almost like they pushed me off a cliff. And I'm not saying I didn't get the care and I wasn't tended to and it wasn't that, but the priority shifts so much to your child and so far away from you that you almost feel like you were just this vessel to bring the child into the world. And of course I was, I did that, but I'm still here and I still matter. I always look at my C-section kind of in comparison to a tonsillectomy I had. My tonsillectomy, it was, oh, you poor thing and go home. And I had to miss a week of work and I had, you know, just rest and you need to rest and you need to drink water and, and just all this very gentle support around me. But here with my son, it was a more intense surgery. I was on much more intense pain medication, but it was also, okay, great. Now go home and take care of this completely helpless human. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Good luck. Good luck. I need you to, I need you to poop. I need you to pee. Yeah. I need you to make sure you're doing all these things. Oh, yeah. and, oh, and also, yeah. you oh. let us know if there's something wrong with you. So the yeah. experience you've never had before, you don't know what's normal, but let us know if something happens that's not right. Yeah. Otherwise I'll see you in six yes. weeks. Yes. What? Don't get me started on, on the healthcare. <laughs> it's a whole other podcast. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. And Becky, and in your opinion, like what place do our partners play in the journey of a mother surviving and thriving during motherhood? Cause I, you've said a couple of times, like a great place to start is with your partner. What is their place? What can they, what can they do? What can, where can we start? they can realize and accept what their place is. And that is behind us on the chain of importance. That's a really harsh thing to say. And a lot of people get mad at me and the majority of it are men, but guess what? You're not the top of this pyramid. It's the baby. And then it's the mom. And then it's the partner. We're the ones that first of all, gave birth. So physically we're struggling. We're the ones that of course the baby is going to bond with any caretaker. But if they have access to the mom and the boob, they're going to want us. And so many times it's, I always laugh. Sometimes you see these birth announcements and they'll say, baby, mom, and dad are doing great. And I think, well, what did the dad do? He just said, <laughs> I don't care how he's doing <laughs> Yeah, good job. You, you know, you slept and, you know, complained about the chair. And by saying they matter less, I'm not saying they don't matter. I'm just saying you need to know your place. And sometimes it's not just helping your baby, it's helping your wife or your girlfriend or whoever she is in your life. My husband actually said this in a good way, I think, and hopefully it's a way that people understand, but to look at it like after the baby's born, the baby is an airplane and the mother is the pilot. You're a passenger on the plane. So unfortunately- They're not even a co-captain. <laughs> no, you're a passenger. And unfortunately, everyone else who works on that airplane called in sick. So you have no flight attendants. There's no ground crew. There's no co-pilot. There's nothing. So you're on this this flight with just her flying the baby, right? The baby plane. Do you want her to focus on flying and flying the plane and safely landing the plane? Or do you want her to 
forget about the plane for a few minutes and come back and listen to you complain about being tired or make you food or run errands and just let the baby kind of go? Or do you want, you know, or can you just sit and help her in whatever way she needs? And if that's just sitting there being a passenger, then then do that. If that's getting your own food, then do that. And I think that's important. And again, all these disclaimers we have to say, because people can't just look at that and say, okay, I get it. Like prioritize the mom. I'm not saying that. They just have to sit there and serve us. They just need to remember that, yes, they can be tired. They can be exhausted. They can be scared. They can be confused. We're probably all of that 10 times more because we've got these hormones and physical changes. And they, as much as they're trying to help the baby, they need to help us and suck it up sometimes, guy, you know. Then I'm sorry. And I know that sounds very cruel and I don't mean it to be, but there's times when my husband had a tore a calf muscle and it was horrible. I certainly didn't expect him to take care of things that he was doing, but I didn't expect him to be mowing the lawn because he couldn't even walk. You know, I certainly was prioritizing his physical health over mine at the time because he was in a horrible amount of pain and surgery. So why do we expect it to be different after we give birth? Because we've been conditioned that, oh, everyone gives birth. We've been doing this for eons. You can easily do this. Like, okay, just because a lot of women have done this doesn't mean it's easy. (laughs) Or that like recovery is instantaneous. Like, no. (laughs) I was peeing my pants. I was constipated for 10 days. You know, I have friends who had third degree tears. There's so much that is happening to us physically, hormonally, emotionally, in addition to everything that goes along with being a new parent. So yes, we both share that new parent, but we also have all these other. So sorry. Okay. (laughs) It's not a contest. (laughs) (laughs) We would win. I love it. I love it. And now we're talking a lot about, you know, the survival, but you also talk about thriving and surviving and thriving are two totally different things. So, and many days, especially in early motherhood, it may feel like just surviving is an accomplishment in and of itself, but how do you believe mothers can really thrive on days, especially when they feel like they're just surviving? Well, sometimes you can't, sometimes you just survive and that's okay. I always say if you end the day and the house is still standing and there's no major crimes have been committed and everyone is home. That's a win too. The great thing about motherhood is we get a reset every day. We get to get up and try again the next day. And I've had days where I'm not in a good space. My son's not in a good space. Remember these kids are human too. We have bad days. They have bad days. Sometimes there are. I think that part of what helps us thrive is realizing it's every day is not going to be a huge a huge win. We're not going to have these major milestones happen every day. Some days we are just going to survive and it's okay. But overall, that doesn't have to be every day. Again, like how I looked at myself as just being on this conveyor belt. That was just surviving. And I thought that was all I needed to do. We don't. We can thrive. And this goes back to all of the things we talked about, to honoring ourselves, taking time for ourselves, establishing boundaries with our relationship, with our friendships, knowing that other things are going on, and really just treating ourselves a little bit more gently, letting our partners know how we need to be treated, turning off those unsolicited advice 
all the little tips that are coming in. There's a lot of things we can do to make us stronger, happier, better, not just moms, but women. And that's when we start to feel like we're thriving. I remember just kind of at one point looking around and looking at my son and thinking, oh, I'm finally happy. I was finally kind of thriving. It took far too long for me. And I don't want that for anyone else again, which is why I'm out here all the time on my soapbox <laughs> talking about self-care and ignoring our husbands, not in any kind of malicious way, but to save us, to help us thrive. And you can do both. You can survive, you can thrive. But overall, the goal is to just keep on an upwards trajectory. Amen. Oh, man. Okay. And now, Becky, we need to... So tell us a little bit about your book. We want to hear about that. And then also just any final thoughts you'd like to leave our audience. Sure. Well, the book, kind of as, as we've talked about, enough about the baby, really is... It's a baby book that's not about the baby. It's, it's about the mom. And... I say it's everything I wish I had known, but it's so much more than that. It's kind of like a companion, I think. it's. I've had so many readers tell me that it was almost reassuring, it validated things they felt. I've had women who are grandmas write me and say, I wish I had read this 30, 40 years ago. You, the words, and it's not just me. When I say you, I'm not taking credit for all of it because I have so much of that is other moms who have shared their stories with me. Yeah. That's what I loved about it. You actually have, you know, real mom stories from different moms, but also different experts in different fields from OB-GYNs to car seat techs to psychologists. And it's really like a culmination of these amazing women sharing their stories and letting you know what you can expect and what's common. So again, the book really is just all the things I, I wish I had known. It's every chapter is a different aspect. And I have different experts relating to each chapter. There's a whole chapter just about childcare and what happens when a maternity leave ends or when you kind of get to the point where you are ready to leave your child and the mom stories, all these different mom stories and things that, you know, I didn't necessarily experience, but the sentiment behind them, I think we can all relate. So the story I was talking about was a woman who lived in, I believe she lived in New York. And so she was in like a third floor walk up. And so she said, we figured out how to get home with the baby, but we didn't figure out how to get home as in how to get up those three flights of stairs. So she you know, was trying to walk upstairs and she's in pain and the dad's carrying the baby. All of a sudden the baby starts wailing. She starts feeling hot. She had to pee. She ended up kind of peeing her pants and crawling up the stairs. And I didn't experience that, but everything she said, I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it. And it's, again, it, it's that sense of community. And you mentioned the questions in the back. I have questions and lists and things like that. And that's not just me and what I think. That's things I've worked with on other moms. Some of those lists, we've been working on them for years, adding and deleting and changing. And the one about the relationships, that was something I really fought for to be as long as it is because every question on there I think is worthy and important. Absolutely. And I think it's something that not enough people talk about because I think that that's something that when you understand that, oh, this person has very different expectations than I thought as a parent, how we were going to handle roles. And if you don't have those conversations, it can be really 
rude awakening when you have this child and you're like, but I thought you were going to get up and help with this. I thought you were going to do these kind of things. Oh, well, my, my dad never did that. Well, yeah. Having those conversations of your expectations and what you would like help with and how you see certain things. It's so helpful. So I loved seeing all of those lists that you had in the back. Yeah. Those aren't conversations that you want to arise at 4am when you're both exhausted and your baby's screaming and even further on the line, it goes to, down to screen time and candy and religion, budgeting. A lot of people maybe just put all the money in one account. Some people have shared, separate, this, that. Well, how are the diapers going to be bought? Who's going to empty the diaper pail? Everything, all that. <laughs> all of it and more. Oh my gosh. This is so helpful, Becky. I Now our readers need to know, where can they find you? They can find me. I always say I do my best work on Instagram. It's at Witty Otter. I have a Facebook page that's essentially my Instagram, at Witty Otter. And my Twitter is at Witty Otter underscore because someone took my name. Um, and the book is Can Be Fine Enough About the Baby on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all sorts of online booksellers. We're in a ton of libraries, a lot of small local booksellers. So very cool. And I have to ask, Witty Otter, what does that mean? So bizarre. So do you remember maybe like 10 years ago, there was this trend, there was those quizzes on BuzzFeed. And it was, if you were a sandwich, what kind of sandwich would you be? If you were a character on Seinfeld, who would you be? Well, I took one and it was, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? And I got otter. And it's just always- Which I love otters. (laughs) They're so cute. I know, I know. And that was something that always stuck with me. So when I was trying to come up with a name for my blog, this was a blog that I had before I was even married. Gosh, everything was thought of or taken or clever. And I didn't really know what I was going to write about. And so I always thought that there's so many compliments you can get. And to me, I think one of the greatest compliments- is that you're witty if someone's talking about your qualities. Because witty is smart and it's funny and it's your timing and it's your it's it's so many things. And so I just kind of threw together this this witty otter and that's it. And what's funny is when I met my husband, the college he had gone to was their mascot was the otters. And so he had in his email and all of his online social media accounts have otter in it too. Completely Oh that's so yes. Cool. Yeah. (gasps) What a serendipitous and totally like beautiful thing. I love it. Oh, I had to know. I was like, I'm with Witty Otter. I need to know the story. How did this come about? I know. I know. And I've had people say like, I'm going to change it, you know, Witty Mommy or or this or that. And it's like, no, no, I love it now. It's It's so, you know, it's so much fun. It is. I love it too. No, don't ever change it. Oh my gosh. Becky, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed our conversation and just loved having you on this show. I know. I want to talk. I want to ask you a million questions now. (laughs) No, this is, I, again, hearing from other women, mothers who are sharing their experiences and really out there being advocates for other moms. And I love the work that you're doing. And I'm so grateful that we're having this conversation on this episode so that more moms can feel that they can advocate for themselves too. And that there are there are resources out there available for them. And one of them being your book and your social media. So thank you for well, all that you do. You. I absolutely love chatting with you. So thank you for being so supportive of, of this whole quest that I'm on. And for everything that you do for moms as well. 
Oh, well, it's our pleasure. Oh my gosh. And for our listeners out there to learn more about Becky, as she said, you can find her on Instagram at Witty Otter. Our team will be posting today's episode on our Baby Chick Facebook page. So if you have any questions or comments about our discussion, please share them with us in the comment section. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us an honest review. Cheers to thriving, mamas. Thank you.